You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. Uh, we have a great show for you today. We're, we're venturing a little bit outside of Silicon Beach to a different um, tech corridor, Detroit. And um, over the years, we've, we've had a number of shows on Detroit. Uh, you may recall that um, two years ago, we actually had Dave Marinus who discussed his book, Once in a Great City, a Detroit story, which focused on Detroit as kind of its apex, 1964, the year of the Ford Mustang. And then we, um, last year, we spoke with Amy Hemrell, who wrote Detroit Hustle, a memoir of love, life, and hope, who talked about her kind of new urban homesteading in the uh, renovated Detroit uh, in the historic um, East Village area there and what that was like to move from Brooklyn to Detroit and be part of what it might be Detroit's renaissance. And so today we um, are looking at another image of Detroit and that is from someone who also relocated to Detroit. Um, this, the Ted Serpinski. He is an entrepreneur and early stage investor who moved from Silicon Valley to Detroit. And he's now the managing director at Techstars Mobility. And what we have him on the show, because in May he wrote an article for VentureBeat, why I love the Detroit startup scene. And so we wanted to hear it from him himself. Ted, are you with us? Thanks for having me this morning. It's great to be on the show. Thank you. And um, so, 
Tell us a little about your background before you came to Detroit. Yeah, so I grew up in a military family. Um, I've lived all over the United States, uh, moving around every three years or so. And uh, five years ago, um, I was living in Silicon Valley in downtown San Francisco, and I moved to uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, my wife was from the, the area. And what prompted that move um, was I've been a developer most of my life, an open source developer, working on Drupal framework um, that, that powers, I think, 5% of all websites online, uh, Tesla.com and, and MBA.com and all kinds of major websites. And along the way, in 2006, um, I met my uh, co-founder, and we wanted to build the largest blog network for moms online, uh, which is funny. About a decade ago, I was unmarried, single guy, uh, but my co-founder, him and his wife, had their first child. And I said, hey, I can, I can build this. I'm a technical person. Let's, let's make it happen. And so we ended up building the largest blog network for moms online. And in 2008, sold that to Lifetime Television. And we actually sold that 52 days before the market crashed, wow. uh, which was amazing, amazing timing. And I was actually in, uh, at the time, northern Michigan. Uh, I was visiting uh, my extended family and had to, there was no internet up there, no cell phone coverage. And I remember having to find some uh, station or a gas station or something with just a fax on the forms to get it done. Um, and so that brought me out to San Francisco from the Virginia area to open up their digital office. And uh, it was a pretty amazing adventure. And along the way, kind of all the, uh, the, the things that kind of happened post-acquisition just kind of started to see tumble. And I was kind of feeling burned out. And in, in retrospect, looking back, I was really burned out, just the whole startup thing. And then really trying to build this amazing uh, product inside of Lifetime Television. And ended up getting engaged and my wife was from Michigan and she said, Hey, what if we move to Detroit? And I said, no, <laughs> I said, I'm open to moving somewhere else. Cause I'm at that three year mark, um, maybe New York or back to DC or Boston, Chicago. And literally just one day I was feeling guilty and I was like, all right, let me see Detroit startups and found an amazing opportunity. And two months later moved out to Detroit and been here now five years and growing longest place I've lived in my entire life. Wow, so you moved out in 2012. Yes. Which was uh, the year before um, Detroit filed bankruptcy and, and three years after the GM bankruptcy. Yep, exactly. So it was, when I moved to Detroit, it was at this time that it was, it was still trending downwards. And a lot of my colleagues in San Francisco thought I was crazy. Like, you're you're trading wine and restaurants and a beautiful scenery for a burned out city that's going nowhere. And for me, growing up in a military family, I needed that, that change. And it was kind of at that three-year mark. And so I just needed to experience something new. And I kind of knew deep down, worst case, I could just move. Like I'm, I'm used to moving, no, no problem doing that. Um, and so coming here that, that first year or so, saw a lot of the, the downhill, but I saw sparks of, of really cool things going on. Um, Quicken Loans moving downtown, Dan Gilbert um, starting to launch new endeavors, all of these sparks of like of opportunity. And to me, I didn't see a, a downward curve. I just saw a potential for a big upward curve. And that's what I've been experiencing over the last few years now. 
And, and you actually blogged about that question because you said, you know, once I moved out here, um, people were asking me, what was I thinking? You know, um, why I moved from San Francisco to Detroit. I think you said, uh, here's your post. If Columbus had an advisory committee, he would probably still be at the dock, quoting Arthur Goldsberg, the statesman. And then he said, he wrote, every week in a bewildered state, someone asked me, hey, Ted, why did you move to Detroit? Uh, Detroit, are you crazy? I paused, let a laugh out loud, and respond with, 10 years from now, San Francisco will be just as good as it is today, but in 10 years, Detroit will be roaring city once again, defining a new technology hub at the intersection of muscle and brains. Where do you want to be in 10 years, status quo or one of the heroes that rebuilt the city? Interesting comment. How that how that go over when people told you told you you told it to them? Um, yeah, I think when I when I told it, it was a lot of like, all right, you can put some <laughs> words on paper, but we don't really believe that that's going to happen. And now, kind of being a good solid year, or sorry, a good five years, it's it become apparent that there's a lot of great things going on in Detroit, a lot of great change, and in San Francisco is his gotten a little bit better but it's gotten much more crazy from an expense side the cost of living yes um all kinds of new challenges and looking back i'm like this is one of the best decisions i've made in my whole life like just been able to ride this whole curve here experience a lot of new things and what's fascinating to me is every week someone emails me hey i'm looking to move to detroit i'm in san francisco or i'm in new york and i started to get so many emails i actually had to classify that as a way to contact me looking to move to Detroit and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. Like I was one of the earlier people to just kind of move here and now it's becoming a thing. Um, and there's an entire event, um, that cranes, which is a local media outlet puts on, um, every or for the last four years called Detroit homecoming where they bring people back to Detroit. And so it's amazing to see that I kind of took a jump. I mean, I had no idea if this was going to work or not. And now other people are looking to do the jump. There's events around jumping back to Detroit. And it's kind of becoming a, a cool thing. And a lot of my friends are like, hey, how can I get to Detroit? And I said, well, it's actually kind of hard. Like, there's waiting lists for buildings. There's not as many jobs. You can create a lot of opportunity. But it's, like, it's actually a lot harder to get here than you think it would be. Um, so it's pretty cool to see a lot of that develop. So I'm really excited to see what the next five years bring. Now, do you actually live in Detroit as well? Um, no, so my wife and I live just north of downtown Detroit. The way I like to think of Detroit um, is, and one of my friends had told me this, like we all fly out of the same airport, Detroit, whether you live in downtown Detroit or midtown Detroit, one of the other areas in like Detroit proper, or if you live in the suburbs or Ann Arbor, it is kind of the metro Detroit region. We all fly out of the same airport. We should really think of this as, as the greater Detroit Mm -hmm. Um, and so my wife and I live, um, north, north of town in, in Birmingham, but come down to Detroit every day, hang out here, conduct business here. And your office is um, in Detroit. Seek... Yes. Now, um, yep. in, in terms of that adjustment, how, how hard an adjustment was it? There was, I mean, the, the, the biggest kind of initial shock was lack of good food and wine so my <laughs> wife and i were were foodies and san francisco is one of the foodie capitals of the world and so that was like a, a kind of a culture shock like oh 
the best food around here is probably the, the stuff that we can make. And my wife's a, a great cook. Um, but what's changed over the last few years is, and I think a lot of the early restaurants we went to were more in the suburbs, not even in Detroit, but just farther north of Detroit. I think some of the best food now in this region is actually in downtown Detroit. Um, I'm amazed at all the new restaurants that are opening, the, the pace that they're opening. I used to be able to kind of keep track of a list, and now it's like impossible to keep track of all the new restaurants. And so now I think a lot of the food choices, some of the stuff here easily rivals in New York or San Francisco. Um, there might not be as many restaurants, but that's okay because there's not as many people. Um, but there are still hour wait times, two hour wait times for some of these great restaurants. And good, good thing and a bad thing. Now it's like we got great food, but okay, now we got to wait in line. The thing we're trying to avoid from moving from the coast. So that for us was kind of a personal adjustment. Um, there's obviously been, it's, it's different to move around the region. Um, everything's kind of car based here. There is no mass transit. When you're in, when we were in San Francisco, it's very easy to kind of get around. You can take the, the subway, um, the BART system, the light rail, there's Ubers and all kinds of taxis. It's walkable, bikeable. And Detroit as a region is just car centric. You can drive everywhere. There's parking lots everywhere. And so that was a bit of an adjustment that there is more, uh, more drive time depending on where you're trying to go. And just, if you want to get to the other side of Detroit, more likely to just hop in a car and, and drive over there versus any other means of transportation. Now, there's a couple of things that I highlight Detroit's status as an emerging startup um, hub. And part of it is it's diametric to the image of Detroit. You know, you are uh, in some of the past shows we've had, uh, we've had people talking about how there actually are tours of the ruins of Detroit, you know, the old train station and other places. But people forget that, you know, General Motors is still based in Detroit. And the auto industry is still very present in Detroit. And the automotive industry is going through this technological revolution. And is that a big part of what's bringing Detroit back? Yeah, I think so. It's the, the Detroit region is primarily driven by the automotive industry. And in 2008 and nine, when we kind of saw the last auto crash, I mean, the, the region kind of sank with it. And what we're seeing right now is kind of um, what I like to call kind of two things are driving Detroit forward. Like there's this entrepreneurial resurgence, so new businesses, new excitement, new things that are kind of being created in Detroit. And there's this automotive dominance of the region that's driving it forward. And the, the automotive shift right now is automotive companies are becoming mobility companies. And what that means is automotive companies that have traditionally made steel-based products, cars, vehicles, are now shifting to software companies and services. So instead of buying a, a Ford pickup truck in the future, you may just have a Ford subscription and you just have a vehicle on demand, whether it's an Uber-like model or a Zipcar-like model, it's kind of unclear, but there is a big shift right now um, across the entire industry and that's really fueling um, a lot of stuff going on. There's obviously self-driving cars is a big component of that as well. And so we're seeing the, the race towards that and any software company, tech company, anyone in the world that's going to be part of this future self-driving cars, service-based um, transportation, they're interfacing in Detroit, whether it's Apple opening up offices here in Michigan, 
or Google's um, Waymo opening up offices here, even Uber, we're seeing a lot of that start to happen. And a lot of those individuals and companies are starting to cross-pollinate across the region. Now, you, you hear a lot you know, in terms of the, you know, this automated cars, the self-driving cars. Palm Valley, you hear about Pittsburgh, you know, the Carnegie Mellon team. You know, how does that, that, that activity compare to what's actually going on in Detroit itself? Yeah, I think we're seeing, um, and I, there was an article, and I forget the, the name of it, but kind of this rise of these rust belt cities. Um, as the, the costs on the, the coast continue to rise, the, the cities get more dense, the things get more expensive, the lines get longer, it gets harder to, to kind of live and, and raise a family and just kind of have a quality of life. We're seeing a lot of these folks that are kind of boomeranging back. I, I grew up in Detroit. I grew up in Cincinnati. I grew up in Pittsburgh, went to school wherever. And then I ended up in one of these big cities. And now that I'm kind of in my early thirties, mid thirties, late thirties, like, Hey, I'm starting to raise a family and I don't really want to grow. I don't want them to grow up in these types of areas. And they're, they're coming back to this region. Um, and I think we're starting to see, a lot more of that happening. And so that's just kind of more of a social dynamic. And then when you look at some of the best universities in the country, a lot of them are kind of in this Midwest region. Um, they're not necessarily on, on the coast, although there are a lot of great universities. There's still a lot in, in the middle. And so we're almost seeing like a, um, an acknowledgement that great ideas or great startups or great businesses can, can truly be built anywhere. You don't need to be in, in certain pockets anymore. Um, it's easier to have access to money, um, to have a, a lower cost of running your business, and, and a lot of good things um, that are related to that. Yeah, let's let's touch on that before we. I want to get back touch on that the whole Midwestern uh, aspect as an asset. But one thing I want to touch on also in Detroit, in addition to the automotive industry, you mentioned Dan Gilbert, and for people who may not you know who aren't basketball fans may not be familiar with who he is. Can you explain who he is and what his role has been in, in the Detroit startup scene? Yeah, so Dan Gilbert owns uh, Quicken Loans, chairman and founder of Quicken Loans, one of the largest mortgage retailers in, in the country slash world. Um, he also owns the Cleveland Cavaliers and is now the one of the largest uh, real estate owners in, in Detroit. And um, right before, as I moved here about five and a half years ago, Right around that time, maybe a few months for, before he took Quicken Loans, which was headquartered at the time um, in Southfield, and moved it to downtown Detroit. And that was a big, big push and a big bet that if you're hiring a, a millennial-targeted workforce, they are going to probably more desire to be in an urban center. And so move that down as kind of a first piece and continue to bring more businesses downtown, expand Quicken Loans as it was, as we were seeing the, the, the housing crisis and then the mortgage rates dropping, it was actually a good time to truly expand Quicken Loans and could expand it from a downtown Detroit footprint where there was a lot of real estate, um, but costs were a lot lower. And along the way, I think he's, I don't know, bought up a hundred different buildings, million and a half, two million square feet now and is now kind of transitioned into kind of a, a real estate landlord and all kinds of new cool companies have come to downtown Detroit, like Under Armour and Nike and some of the, the startup companies like a Warby Parker or Bonobos are here. Um, there's been other big organizations like Microsoft taking note and 
now moving their office downtown and Ally Financial moving their office downtown. Um, and so we're kind of seeing this chain reaction that Detroit is, is cool. Like, hey, I want to be down there. Um, and there's a lot of groups kind of mag, kind of just making that move. And so you have a lot of the startups that I interface with and kind of this creator maker movement. You have all these restaurants, but then you also have real big companies moving downtown, jobs moving downtown. Um, you have uh, all this, all these pieces kind of working together. We're going to take a, a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that. And also, you know, Amazon has said that it is looking for a second headquarters and has listed a number of things that it considers as criteria. But I wonder what do you think Detroit has a play at Amazon, particularly since Amazon already has offices there. But we're going to talk about that after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlawn Business Report on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking with Ted Servinsky about Detroit as a new startup hub. And as usual, there's some background on Ted as well as um, the topic on our um, blog on cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And we have show notes, even a PowerPoint um, background information on Detroit as a startup hub. So please check it out. But I want to pull out one data point. And uh, if you're in San Jose, um, apparently the median home cost in San Jose, California is $844,700, and uh, which is way above the U.S. average of a median cost of $185,000, um, actually $185,000, $800,000. But in Detroit, it is only thirty-seven thousand two hundred. 
and that that's just the enormous difference and which i'm sure is driving some of this but so at before the break we were talking i raised the question about amazon's bid for a second headquarters do you think detroit could possibly vie for that yes i think it's a it's a complicated question um there's i think some specific things in the amazon proposal that they've talked about um access to a, a great kind of workforce um and, and sources of, of like talented universities international airport room for for expansion and then there's also the big component around mass transit right um so i'd say a majority of those things detroit is great at with university of michigan michigan state wayne state um, the, the proximity to schools in Indiana and Ohio, like there's a, a wealth of amazing universities here, some of the top ones in the country. Um, the Detroit airport, you can fly direct all around the world. Um, a great airport, there's a whole logistics hub there. Um, there is access to, to rail lines here, um, and even kind of uh, ocean-based freight that can go up through the lakes and out. Um, but the one thing this region doesn't really have is it doesn't have mass transit. It's, it's really cars right now um and that is, I, I saw that on the specs that is a, that is an important element but the one thing i think that detroit has in 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 los angeles there's a, a area that of huge swath of land that was owned by howard hughes and it got you know his his estate got tied up in litigation for you know 20 20 some years and then it turned out that development got tied up because it was also on wetlands and so you had this property that was basically tied up in litigation for 30-some years that came online and was eligible to be um, developed right around the time Silicon Valley was looking at Southern California properties. And you know, it gave a unique opportunity to build large campus-like facilities in L.A., which would have otherwise been impossible. Um, you know, as they tend to like in, in Northern California. And I would think Detroit has that advantage because of so many areas where, you know, they've been you know, there's abandoned properties or um, factories or whatever, that they, that should allow an opportunity for someone who wants to make a big footprint to come right in. Yeah, I agree. There's, a, there's some definitely some unique advantages here from my a real estate land opportunity to create some really um, interesting things around a, a new global headquarters, around housing conditions. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge advantage. Uh, I think where it's going to come down to is is out of the Amazon requirements, how many of those are, are hard things that need to exist today and how many of those things that just need to exist 10 years from now. Um, there's a movement around the, the area and the potentially on the ballot this fall for an, a regional transit authority to kind of develop all the stuff Amazon was talking about across Mr. Detroit. Um, unfortunately, it didn't pass last year, but they made a bunch of good improvements, but it, it could very well pass. And so is Amazon looking at what exists today or what could be here 10 years from now? And some of the stuff in the proposal shows it's not Amazon selects a place and now everything is done. It takes time to build out and grow it. And so if they're really looking long-term investment and, and the, the longevity, um, are they looking at a city that has some unique advantages and that will kind of check all the other boxes over time? Or are they looking at, we just want all the boxes checked today. 
And I think it's ultimately going to really depend on who those decision makers are at Amazon and how much foresight they have into kind of the, the future. And as a company, they tend to be thinking very, very long term. Um, and there's a, there's a reason Detroit is where it is. Back in the 40s and 50s, it was uniquely located, still Eastern time zone, but access to a majority of the U.S. You have the lakes, land opportunity. And so they really kind of go back to why is Detroit where it is? And can these other areas, other things, mass transit be addressed over a five to 10 year period, then there's a compelling reasons to be out in the, uh, the Detroit area. And you yourself highlight you know, Detroit's assets, not just being the uniqueness of Detroit and you know the corporate structure that's there with the automotive industry, but the greater Midwest. Uh, I think you point out eight of the top 25 entrepreneurial colleges are located there, six of the top 20 engineering schools, including Michigan, Chicago, Carnegie Mellon, um, and 15% of the Fortune 500 are all right there. And there, there are some, actually, who think that the Midwest might be the next Silicon Valley. What, what's your thought about that? Yeah, I think it's um, it, maybe not the next Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley is Silicon Valley, but there is, when you look at kind of what makes Silicon Valley work, there's like this density of great ideas, density of great high-tech companies. And Detroit in this region has all the basic building blocks there. You have great universities. You have great high-tech companies. Um, you don't yet have kind of that density of ideas, but it's starting to form as, as new buildings come online in downtown Detroit. And I really think a lot of those pieces are, are coming together that this could be really a powerhouse of a region. And if we look at the history, Detroit was that powerhouse, and so it does have the capacity to do that. Um, now it's a question of can all the right things come together fast enough to propel back into that future. Now there there is a a, a, a liability, or maybe this is a distinction to be made between Detroit and Greater Detroit, because Detroit as a city. Um, has a, a relatively low percentage of college graduates and even lower um, those with advanced degrees that are often found in tech communities, for example. I mean, Ann Arbor is off the charts on, on that level, but Detroit isn't. And is is the workforce there to support a, a startup or a tech renaissance? Yeah, I think it's a good distinction. I mean, the same thing it applies if you look at San Francisco, Bay Area, depending on where you start to drill down, you start to have a lot of the same challenges. Um, and so if you look at Detroit proper, there are challenges here, but if you look at kind of the greater Detroit area, um, it, it starts to be very advantageous there. And I think what we're seeing, especially over the last one to two years, is there is a shift, like a lot more, um, a lot of businesses are moving downtown, attracting a different type of workforce hiring an educated workforce. There's a number of initiatives to kind of start to work on education in Detroit proper to really start to uh, move it up. And so it's kind of a, almost a, a perfect storm. You need all the pieces to be working together. Uh, it's not necessarily one thing or another. And I think the, the advantage Detroit has um, is it's, it's suffered for so long um, that, that now the spotlight's back, spotlight's back on it, that there's a lot of interesting ideas that can be put into place that can really kind of go from a zero to a hundred almost overnight because it's got to go from something to it's going from nothing to something. And sometimes just implementing a new infrastructure is a lot easier than necessarily upgrading an existing infrastructure. Now, one, one other 
downside or potential issue I've seen in looking at, you know, how this Detroit Renaissance has been covered. Is is there any um, backlash against those who are coming into Detroit and who are maybe perceived as its saviors uh, or, you know, self-perceived maybe? And the reason why I mentioned it, I saw I really was reading about Jason Lorimer, Lorimer, the um, the founder of Dandelion, and I, I guess he's become basically a meme. Um, I've seen some um, images of his photo, and it says "moved to Detroit 14 months ago, has yet to have his car leveraged," and um, that you know, some that some people don't like the idea that people are coming to Detroit trying to save it. You know, they they. You know, they've been there for a long time. They they think they can save it just fine on their own. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an excellent point. So there's definitely talk and some data that kind of supports this tale of to Detroit. Um, you kind of have the, the emergence of downtown and midtown, all these businesses, people moving here, whether from the region, outside the region. And then you have a lot of the neighborhoods around Detroit that kind of surround it. Um, and, and how are those being affected by it? Um, it's, a, it's definitely a complex phenomenon going on and an issue here. Um, and I think there, there's examples like Shinola that um, is actually hiring um, a number of folks from the, the neighborhoods and, and educating them and bringing them up to speed. It's not just a high-tech, com- high-tech company moving here um, and then bringing in their people and not acknowledging the rest of the trade. It's there are companies that are thinking of it holistically. Um, but there are also other groups like Grand Circus that are offering coding workshops and other things to kind of continue to bring in new skill sets to the existing workforce to help them be competitive to all these companies coming in. So there is there is a divide there, um, but there are groups that are kind of working to better bridge that divide. Um, but I do think you need, you kind of need that catalyst, catalyst something in the, to start it to get all this change to happen. Um, as a result, it's not one or the other. You need kind of both ends of that piece. And ultimately, to, to win as a region, you need to really think about it holistically, not just uh, certain parts of it. Now, um, this summer, Catherine Bigelow's movie Detroit came out, which obviously was focusing about the uh, 1967 riots. Was was that poorly timed for you know, from a Detroit business point of view? Um, I don't know if it's poorly timed. It's, it's you need to kind of acknowledge your past and know kind of where you're going. And I think it's, you need to, you need to settle with the history of the city, whether you were here a part of it or affected by it or just heard about it or watched on the news. It's, it's an important part of the region. It's something that shouldn't be glossed over and something learned from. And so I think that as the city is now starting to, to come back to life, it's become even more of a topic. Well, here's the, the real challenges that went through and let's make sure that we don't forget about those challenges and not recreate those going forward, but think holistically. So I don't think it was poorly timed. I think it's just a reflection that there is now real growth and momentum in the city. And as you start to see that growth and momentum, some of the uh, the past that has to come out and kind of be settled and, and, and thought about and just acknowledge as the future starts to move forward. Now, let's talk a little bit about tech, Techstars Mobility Accelerator. How did you launch that? And tell us about some of your success stories. Yeah, so Techstars is a worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. And the way we help entrepreneurs succeed is kind of through four different uh, products. 
we have our, our core 90-day accelerator programs that run all over the world, including downtown Detroit, but also in South Africa, in Tel Aviv, in Australia, across the U.S. and Canada. Um, each of those programs is investing in 10 to 12 companies at a time. In the last decade, we've invested in over 1,200 startups that have gone through one of those programs. Uh, those startups are valued at just about $10 billion. We sell entrepreneurs through, um, we have about $300 million in management that's in, investing additional capital in those startups going through those programs, those accelerator programs. We also have free community programming through Startup Weekend, Startup Digest, Startup Week that exists in uh, 160 countries worldwide, actually more countries than actually Starbucks is operating in. And we also do a lot of corporate innovation on Disney and Nike and Target. And with this program here in Detroit, we focus a lot on the, the automotive transportation categories. We work with Ford and Siemens and Bosch and others to help them be more innovative. Um, and so it's kind of through those four different products, we're really supporting entrepreneurship worldwide, helping those entrepreneurs succeed. And then more specifically in Detroit, the, the mobility program here is thinking more broadly about mobility. Um, it operates at the intersection of two of Detroit's biggest strengths. It's automotive dominance of this region and it's entrepreneurial resurgence. And we're investing in 10 to 12 companies every year, um, investing globally and then startups all around the world, bringing them to Detroit for 90 days and helping to truly accelerate their businesses. In the last two years, we've, we've bought 33 startups from around the world to Detroit. Um, of those 33, only two are actually from Michigan, uh, neither from Detroit. The other 31 had never even been to Detroit. Those companies have raised about $30 million in the last two years and are now valued about $200 million in growing strong. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hear more about Techstars Mobility, including some of the, its um, you know, amazing corporate partners and global partners. Um, but after this mess- after these messages, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, only on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Thousands affected by Hurricane Harvey urgently need support. Your donation can help the American Red Cross provide warm meals, shelter, and hope to these families. Please donate today. Go to redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS or text the word Harvey to 90999. Your support is critical. We cannot do it without you. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio. 
iTunes, Stitcher. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Radio's virtual autobahn. Webmasterradio.fm, moving at the speed of light. Webmasterradio.fm, we're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking to Ted Serbinski about the new startup hub, Detroit, the Motor City. So, Ted, we were, we were talking about your, what's going on um, that you have going at Techstars Mobility. And you were telling us about some of your success stories. Why don't you tell us a little about some of your partners and that you're able to, you know, some of the resources you're able to mobilize to, to get these things off the ground. Yeah, definitely. So one unique thing about this uh, Techstars program is it was a bit of an experiment. Um, Techstars, historically, it only worked with one kind of corporate entity at a time um, or kind of chose to work with none and just took a a city broad-based approach. Um, This is an experiment. Could you work with a consortium of partners? And not only a consortium, build that in an emerging market like Detroit and then work with one of the most competitive industries, automotive. And we've worked with uh, 12 different automotive transportation partners in this program. So Ford, Honda, Jaguar, uh, we've worked with Siemens, Bosch, Munich Re on the insurance side, and AAA, Michelin as well. And all of these partners are, are, are global partners, massive businesses. And we've been able to work with them as innovation partners to help them develop strategies and techniques to engage with startups. And in turn, they're supporting a lot of those startups that are going through these programs and forging all kinds of new relationships and uh, um, cool pilots and and R&D projects and investments with these companies. And and I was looking at some of your global partners, which are include you have uh, both yin and yang. You have Microsoft and Google for entrepreneurs, uh, American Airlines, and, uh, you know, SendGrid, AWS, it's really quite an impressive roster. And um, what what, do you, what are your goals for um, your accelerator for the next couple of years? Yeah, so we, we think of kind of our, our partners. We have the, the core mobility partners here that go very deep within mobility and, and focus on this program in Detroit. And then those global sponsors that you mentioned, mentioned like AWS or Microsoft or Google, work horizontally across all of our programs worldwide, offering another layer of, of benefit and support. And as we look to the future here, we really think about each region as kind of a, a 20-year-plus view. Um, this isn't just kind of coming to Detroit to kind of operate because it's the hot new thing, but it's in it for the long haul. And when we look at what we've been able to do, we've so far brought 33 startups from around the world to Detroit They've raised $30 million for investors all around the world. Two of those companies have permanently moved here from New York City and now employ about 40 um, people in downtown Detroit. And as we look to the future, we look at, at continuing to invest in, in companies each year, 
we look at potentially expanding from just not only one program to, to more than one program in Detroit. Um, we've been able to tap into um, over 400 mentors across the Michigan region. Um, just in August alone, we coordinated over 2,000 meetings in our office, connecting individuals across the region, whether automotive executives or investors, to the startups in our program. We're looking at doing more and more of that in the future. We're looking at uh, investing in more companies, bringing more companies to Detroit, and not only kind of helping to, to impact the industry at large and invest in innovation, but also making a dent in the ecosystem across Detroit, encouraging entrepreneurship and helping those entrepreneurs um, succeed worldwide. Now, if I'm in other cities in the Midwest that don't have necessarily the downside that Detroit's had over the last 20, 30 years, but I also don't have the, the corporate history and infrastructure that Detroit has. You know, Detroit has like a, you know, a Cleveland or some other state that has seen that decline. What can they learn from what Detroit's done? Yeah, I think what they can learn from Detroit is, is to focus on your strengths as a region. Um, Detroit's got a rich automotive transportation culture, and there is a, it, it used to be a, a very great city to live in um, from a real estate side. Some of the most, I think the most pre-Depression era architecture in the country is actually in downtown Detroit. And so kind of the, that entrepreneurial resurgence driving downtown Detroit, that automotive industry resurgence, when you start to focus on those strengths and develop programs that complement those, enhance the ecosystem, it really can work wonders. And so for, for other cities across the Midwest, it's, it's what are those strengths that are there? What are those unique properties? And how do you develop programs and initiatives and, and do things that can really start to complement what's going on? Um, it's not so much copying Silicon Valley or trying to be Silicon Valley, but if you want to have innovative, um, cultures and sharing of idea and this high growth um, stuff, you got to kind of tap into what are we good at, what kind of assets do we have, and how do we leverage those and kind of differentiate ourselves that we attract those types of entrepreneurs to our, our region. You know, Forbes magazine did an article, America's Newest Tech Hub, in talking about Detroit and particularly mobility, which where you're focused on. And it said that through through mobility, Detroit may have found the economic niche that transforms its fortune and does so in the same way other major metros have by taking an already existing asset to another level. And I, I, that that kind of confirms really what you've been saying. Yep, exactly. It's it's really as we look to the future of, of automotive, it's self-driving cars, it's electrification, um, it's this connectivity of it, it's these new services component. And for Detroit to be part of that future, it not only has to transform itself as an industry, but it has to attract those types of individuals, those types of new companies, that type of innovation to the region. Um, and so we at, at Techstars Mobility feel like we're playing a small role on that as we work with some of those innovative partners to help bring those types of companies to Detroit. Um, but also it's not just it's, it's developing that ecosystem, connecting those individuals and kind of thinking holistically as a region. Um, how do we, how do we all win here? It's not you versus me or Silicon Valley versus Detroit, but it's a, it's an, and how do we both win? Now? So it, it's interesting going to that point, Silicon Valley versus Detroit, Detroit's history is you know, a boom at the, the start of the 20th century through the post-war era, bringing um, a large number of African-Americans from the South, 
to um, find jobs and escape Jim Crow and and in building really the American middle class is a vital it was a vital part of that where as Silicon Valley is seen as a, a very highly educated center and really possibly even contributing to income inequality you know we have a highly very unaffordable um, San Jose Palo Alto San Francisco and, and so what does a, a a tech growth in Detroit what what does that mean for the middle class in Detroit well will somehow is the well will Detroit emerge in a Detroit way or a Silicon Valley way yeah I think Detroit's going to emerge in in Detroit's way um, we can look at Silicon Valley and it's, it's high growth um, software-enabled companies and what they've become. And we can kind of get a sense of, when we look at the OEMs, the suppliers around here, as they continue to kind of bend steel and, and make cars, as they layer in new types of software and new types of services, um, they do have to embrace that, that software culture that's dominant in Silicon Valley. And so a lot of the best practices that emerge in Silicon Valley should probably be applied to Detroit. But at the same time, it's, it's it's a bit of a fusion because Detroit's not going to be giving up the manufacturing edge at all. And there's a New York Times article that said, has Detroit beat Silicon Valley? Um, Silicon Valley players were kind of racing to build cars, and it's hard. Apple's had to scale back their project. Waymo, part of uh, Alphabet and Google, had to change their project and others. Um, and Detroit really has that advantage and hasn't lost it yet. Um, but as it develops more software, it has to understand how do you fuse both of those together. And it may be similar to what Silicon Valley has done, but it also may be different in other areas. And so that's the, the real challenge as a region, um, is how do you kind of fuse both of those cultures together to create an entirely new culture? And I think that's what people find interesting about Detroit, because it, it's it's happening. And you're, you're seeing this old culture, you know, have a renaissance, have a transformation. And um, so I think that's what makes it so interesting to see if it can do it differently. And, you know, we'll see Detroit has a history of success. Let's in, I think everyone's rooting for it. So we only have a few minutes left. Why don't you tell us about how we can learn more about what you're doing and anything else you want to plug us into? Yeah, definitely. So if, if you want to learn more about um, the mobility program and Techstars, even some of my thoughts on Detroit, um, you can just go to my blog at Tech. Serbinski.com. So it's T-E-D-S-E-R-B as in boy, I-N-S-K-I.com. And I regularly blog on um, startups and, and lessons learned, Detroit and mobility, a lot of different thoughts. Um, I talk more about the Techstars program, what's going on here. And then um, for those curious about the, the startups that are going through this program, what are they doing? What do they look like? How do they, what are they building? On October 18th, we're going to be having our uh, annual demo day. This is uh, the largest uh, startup and mobility event in Michigan, potentially the U.S. in a single day with over a thousand people, and we're going to be live streaming that. Um, I don't have the, the link yet because we haven't prepped it yet. But if you go to my blog, I'll be pushing that out. Um, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Ted Zubinski. I'll be pushing out the link there as well. Um, but that'll be on October 18th, um, around 3:30 p.m. Eastern. Um, you'll be able to follow along on live stream if you kind of want to see see the show these companies to present and we'll be also announcing a couple of new things that we're doing in Detroit and how we're hoping to move the region forward. 
Yeah, definitely send us the link for that because we will post it on our blog so people can see it. I, I um I do have one question for you. The um are you you involved at all in the um document the Netflix documentary on the startups in Detroit? Um, no, I'm not directly involved. I think I've heard some things there. Um, I'm not personally involved, or I don't know if anything at Techstars has been covered yet. Um, but there are a number of kind of documentaries going on. There's one um, called Generation well. Startup. I think it was on your blog. That's how I discovered it. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so Generation Startup, um, and it's some, there's actually a couple other documentaries, so I wasn't sure which one I referred to. Um, yeah, Generation Startup was um, covering Venture for America, which is kind of like Teach for America, but for, for startups. How do you graduate school and join a startup instead of graduating school to, to teach? And Detroit's one of their biggest markets, and this generation startup actually falls along some of the VFA Venture for America fellows and some of the businesses they've started. And for a while, it's kind of one of the, the, the main mentors around here for some of those VFA fellows, um, helping them support their businesses, giving them free office space. Um, and it's been a pretty amazing to see what they've been able to do. So that documentary is a, is a great way to kind of look at Detroit from the lens of entrepreneurship. That's good. And that's on Netflix, and there's a link to it on the on the blog as well. Um, anything else before, before we go? It's been been great talking to you, and the hats off to all the work you've done in Detroit, and and to your fellow entrepreneurs. It's it's really good to see a you know a, a great American city that was down um, rise back up. No, it's it's been amazing to be part of this Detroit story, and, and kind of looking forward to the future. And one of my side projects is actually another documentary on Detroit called Restarting the Motor City. And you can go to restartingthemotorcity.com to learn a little bit more. Um, still working on it, but really trying to tell that story of, of the broader sense of entrepreneurship across Detroit. It's not just the, the high-tech startups or the recent college grads, um, but how do you tell the story of that, that donut shop in the neighborhood or some of these other events? And, and entrepreneurship is a very broad subject. And while I tend to focus on kind of the software side, the high growth side of entrepreneurship, I'm still always amazed at that local business shop and how they got up and running. And so really working to help tell that story and help really change that perception of Detroit. And I encourage you, any of the listeners, if you haven't been here, to, to come out here. Um, there's a lot of great stuff going on. And I think even if you've been here a few years ago, you may not recognize it and if you're coming every year, every other year, it's changing at quite a bit of pace, but it's going to look different every time you come out here. Well, thank you very much. And when you when you do get done with that uh, documentary, let us know. We'll be happy to have you on to talk about it. But I want to yeah, thank delighted to do that. I, I want to thank you again. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Ted. And best of luck to you at TechStars Mobility. And everyone, um, please check out our show notes and check out um, his information on TechStars Mobility. We'll be back next week. Um, we have a show. We're talking to Alan O'Rourke, the emerging law of active cyber defense. Then October 4th, we have Voting Machine Hacking Village. And please, everyone, remember the hurricane victims in um, Florida and uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. And um, please help if you can. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.